This is Metal Mike, and in this episode, I'm joined by my Twitter pal, Don, a.k.a. Jack Skellington, and we compare our epic top 10 metal album list of 1984. There is so much killer stuff from this year, man, and we go through it all. Now, do you want to support this podcast and keep it going? Become a financial supporter through Anchor. Just check out the link in the description. And make sure to become a subscriber on YouTube to catch all the cool metal covers I've been doing with my talented friends all over the world. Well, hey, now it's time to go back to a simpler time, 1984. This one rocks. Check it out. Don, welcome to the 80s glam metal cast, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. Happy to be here. I uh, stopped by Revco, got me a can of Aquanet, ready to talk from 1984. <laughs> I love it, man. And, you know, it, it's weird because, uh, you know, I just had, had done 1985, and honestly, I thought that was going to be the stopping point. I'm like, you know what? I don't even think there's that much uh, music out there from 84 that I'm into. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? You know, maybe we, maybe I should take a look and, and look at 1984 and try to digest it all. And you know what, man? I think that 1984 may be just as good or maybe even better than 1985. So I'm glad that we are getting together and doing a list of 1984. What are your thoughts on some of these, uh, the music that came out that year? There's a lot, and I didn't realize how much there actually was until you invited me to do this. And uh, I thought it was going to be easy started looking into it realized that it's not going to be that easy and then uh you really threw a loop on me when uh you sent me a message like the next day and you're like yeah man this is fun my list is done and i'm like oh crap (laughs) (laughs) but i was able to you know go through and and weed out some things and uh i come up with something i think that pretty much for me anyway defines 1984 you know and i'm anxious to hear what defines 1984 for you. Yeah. Tens, you know, you think 10's a lot, but it's really not when you, no. when you start looking into it. Uh, I do yeah. think 84 and 85, at least for me, were a little bit easier because I don't think there was as many metal albums out. But I think once you got to like 86, 87, 88, 89, you know, you get to that later era stuff, uh, later decade, and it's just like so many bands. You know what I mean? So it was definitely got, it was toward the end of the decade, it was really hard to narrow it down. But I think 84, at least for me, I, I was, you know, maybe I had 12 or 13, and even then, that's that's pretty cake to, to get down to 10. When you got 20, you're in trouble. <laughs> for sure. Well, hey, let's not even uh, waste any more time, man. Why don't you jump right in and tell us what your 10 is? I'll first say that I'm only a casual fan of this band. But in 1984, um, Van Allen put out 1984. So, got to give that album credit, man. It was like the soundtrack of high school for me. You know, it wasn't the Van Allen that came previous, but it changed a lot of things. And being the last record with Dave and all, it's a pretty big deal for 1984 as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think so too. And, And strangely enough, this was on my list. And then I think based on our conversations, like what what do we still really love today that we liked back then? And and this is an album I just don't go back to that much. Um, I'm, I've never been a huge Van Halen fan. Uh, I definitely like this album a lot, but I probably like the debut better. I like Diver Down better. And, you know, there's different albums that I like throughout their career better than this one. And I, I don't ever really circle back to it, but this was probably my gateway to like hard rock, heavy metal, hair metal, whatever you want to call it. Because like I said, I remember those videos. I remember, you know, Panama, Hot for Teacher, Jump. And uh, I remember going to a roller rink and they used to put them on a uh, projector and, and projected them out on the wall. So, so this is like early gateway stuff. But like I said, not something I circle back to. Got a ton of respect for it. I know it's, it's great stuff. It's just, I just don't, listen to this album like ever <laughs> so so it was on there and then something else knocked it off so it might it's not on my list so yeah it actually wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna be my number 10 and i had a couple other things that it was in competition with and i just thought i'm like you i'm, I'm a casual fan of the band I'm, i never wanted to as much as i respect eddie as a guitar player i never wanted to play like eddie mm-hmm. um eddie was eddie why why would i want to play like him you know mm-hmm. um so I never wanted to replicate that, but you know, like you said, the videos, the radio, the radio still. If you turn on regular radio, 
you'll hear Pam, all hot for teacher. You'll hear, still hear these things. So oh, yeah. I don't actually get out the CD and put it on to listen to it, but I, you know, I still hear, I still listen to jump, you know, if it comes on the radio, I don't change it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, kind of a nostalgia thing. So that's that. What's your number 10? Come on. Well, <laughs> you know, I got docking tooth and nail and, um, I, I love Dokken. I'm always, you know, talking about Dokken on Twitter and and on the podcast. And there's something about Tooth and Nail that I I can't put my finger on, but that I don't really like that much. I don't know what it is. I feel like I, I probably was just more exposed to the other ones based on when I got into music. So, because I really like Under Lock and Key, and I love Back for the Attack. This one just, you know, is probably the third favorite, you know, out of the ones I just mentioned. And um, but you know what? I can't deny this. You know they got a lot of live staples on this one that they they probably play to this day. Into the fire and uh, tooth and nail. And I love the track when heaven comes down. That slow, um, like that kind of like slow heavy thing that uh, that they did a lot more on, like back for the attack. So it, it's great. Don is a great singer. Um, George Lynch, you know, obviously incredible guitar player. The whole band is solid. Um, but just based on, on some kind of unknown factor, I just it doesn't resonate with me like some of their other albums. So I, I've got it at ten. Maybe you didn't get your heart broke enough like Don Doc, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he is always singing about heartbreak. <laughs> I guess you were probably a little bit younger when that record came out. Yeah, you know, you might have got under lock and key, and then went back and listened to the first two or something. Yeah, but, that's what I did, yep. Uh, we'll be talking about them again. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, I got you. Uh, Don, <laughs> where, what's your number nine? Uh, Twisted Sister, obviously. Mike yeah. Williams in here. How, How are you guys uh, doing? How's JJ doing? French, are we here? AJ Perrow, uh, Eddie Fingers Ojeda, <laughs> Martiano Mendoza, right. and, and this is the Number nine, you know, I didn't have any problem with, with like, my top three or four, it was just the, the bottom end. But uh, I got Stay Hungry, man. Dean Twisted nice. Sister. Nice. Like you were saying about, you know, did it stand the test of time? It's, no. Um, certain songs didn't. At mm-hmm. the time, yeah. I kind of, you know, kiss rock and roll all night. You know, Twisted Sister, we're not going to take it. It's, it was like, yeah. you know, I was 14, man. It was, <laughs> you know, when you're 14, you you're coming from junior high school where you're like at the top of the class and then you go to high school and you're like, you know, starting all over here at the bottom. Bands like that had songs like that where you could kind of raise your fist and, you know, be rebellious. And I don't really listen to, I want to rock and we're not going to take it. No. But uh, I do like other songs on the, on the record now that I do listen to more. The Price is one of my favorite. Oh yeah. Uh, Twisted Sister songs. Um, don't Let Me Down is like a sneak, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a deep cut or whatever, but I just think it's a cool song for what it is. She's burning hell. Oh, um, yeah, that's a great one. You know, it's a great album. I still listen to it. Like I said, I might skip over two songs, but the rest of it, I still let it roll. Yeah, it's definitely, I, I won't say a ton about it because it's going to pop up on my list. Um, but, um, it, you know, it's undeniable. I, I mean, it's definitely their best album. I don't really care what anybody says. I mean, it, it wouldn't have been as big as it was if it wasn't as great as it was. And it was at the right time. You know, there's a lot of, um, things that, you know, make it what it is. Like I said, it's the image, the sound, uh, MTV, the whole, whole nine yards. So it's a classic and it's definitely, I believe it's their best album. I think most people would agree. Um, to that point and uh no it's great stuff but uh i'm gonna leave it i'm gonna hold now i'm gonna hold i won't say any more <laughs> and i'm just gonna i'm gonna jump to my number nine which is gonna be very shocking for people that it's this low but for some reason me and this album lately are just on the outs man i'll tell you something you got a lot to be proud of this place looks like a damn zoo let me hear all the animals and it's kiss Animalize, and um, my favorite band, but man, I don't know. Like, I used to like this album a lot more when I was a kid, and nowadays, like, I don't know. I can go back to Asylum and think, man, Asylum's great. I love listening to Asylum, but I don't love listening to this album. And I think the biggest problem lies is with Gene Simmons because Gene is my favorite guy in Kiss, and when Gene's on, I feel like Kiss is on, and when Gene's off. 
we got a problem. You know, we've got like a, a one-sided album or we got half of an album that's decent. And and that's kind of where I'm at with Animalize. Um, of course, there's great songs. I've Had Enough, Into the Fire is awesome. Thrills in the Night is great. To Mark St. John, I, I believe today is actually the anniversary of his passing, so I don't want to rag on the guy. He definitely had talent. But I've got to say, some of these solos, they're just... They don't fit with Kiss, in my opinion. They're just kind of like a lot of, blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I don't exactly. know. It, it's just, you know, there's some of the dive bombs and stuff like that sound pretty cool. And it, it fits. It kind of gives it that vibe, you know, like the 84, you know, 80s Kiss metal vibe. But I don't know. It, it's just his playing uh, is, is almost a lot of ways like Vinnie Vincent, the direction he went when he went solo. Just a lot of nonsense. You know, it doesn't really fit the songs. Uh, I do believe that Paul and Eric Carr are the MVPs on the album. And Gene, man, I mean, Burn Bitch Burn is okay, right? It's pretty cheesy, but at least it's kind of a it's kind of a classic. But I'm telling you, some of those other tracks... Yeah, the structure. The, yeah. The structure of it's, it's cool, it's different. Yeah, yeah, but like tracks like While the City Sleeps and Murder in High Heels, they're just like, to me... They're crap. They're just throwaways. I don't like them. And I don't even know if Paul, some of Paul's stuff is really that great either. When I go back, I used to love like Get All You Can Take. But when I go back and listen to it, I don't know, man. It just feels like a like a carbon copy of Keep Me Coming or something. I don't know. It just doesn't, it just doesn't do anything for me. So, you know, the one thing, the last thing I'll say about it, the thing that makes it for me is Animalized Live Uncensored. The whole vibe of, of like that concert and like the concert video, the fast-paced songs, like that makes Animalized good. And especially those two dorks that do the the, the motions in the beginning, right? That you're, you always post in their pictures. Those guys, you know, <laughs> they're legends. Those kids in, with the with the kiss shirts on at the beginning of the video. But um, um, it's just like Animalized, Animalized Live and on. Yeah, Animal Eyes Live and Uncensored saved Animal Eyes. Right. That's, right. So, so that's why I kind of like Under the Gun and some of those songs because they, they played them you know, on that show. So once again, Animal Eyes Live, Uncensored, great video, cool era, but to go back to it and listen to that album all the time and really enjoy it, no. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I feel, I feel your pain being a Kiss fan. <laughs> you want to um, have it then at the forefront and at the top of every list but uh doesn't always happen you gotta, no no you can't you got to be honest with yourself sometimes even kiss fans that's true <laughs> we, we take a lot we, we you know we deal with a lot of cheese and a lot of crap from these guys but I, I gotta i gotta i gotta give some punishment to analyze it's just it's a little it's down there a little bit how about your eight so for me number eight is power sleeve iron maiden mm-hmm. um the album comes in hot man it, it's like you know you just i wasn't even finished with peace of mind and like they dropped this thing with you know aces high two minutes to midnight mm-hmm. flash of the blade i mean like i said the album just, just as soon as i you know you put it on it's just like it's there man it's it hits the ground running <laughs> it's mm-hmm. uh like i said coming off of uh peace of mind and right into this it's a great record and some of the lyrics you know, looking back now, if I'm sitting at a red light and I'm cranking it out and then you're talking about killing unborn in the womb and stuff, I feel kind of weird about it, but <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Don't judge me. Well, they're great storytellers, too. You know, I mean, I think they're always telling stories. And, uh, you know, strangely enough, okay, so... I don't ever, I don't post a lot about Maiden. I don't ever talk a lot on the podcast about Maiden, but I am a big Maiden fan. And this is another one of those albums, almost very similar to Doc and Tooth and Nail, that I don't like, and I don't know why I don't like it. Because I love Number of the Beast. I think that's probably their best album. I love Peace of Mind. I think that could be my second favorite album. And you would think that I would just love this album. And for some reason, I don't, and I don't really know why. I like Two Minutes to Midnight, and I like some of the songs um, that you've mentioned. But for some reason, uh, this album just doesn't connect with me. And I, and I love um, Somewhere in Time. I love that one, and I love Seven Son of. I, I mean, pretty much all their classic albums, I'm a fan of. But for some reason, this is that one that just doesn't. I can't connect with. I don't even know why. So. I don't have this on my list, but I just my disclaimer is I do like Maiden. I like Maiden a lot, but I just I never got into this album for some reason. It's it happens, man. 
Sometimes you can't explain it. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know what my sport is. You know, I've all. You know, it, um, no, it's it, the way it is. I always looked at it like you've got to go with like what sounds good to you, and and you can't question it. You know, just like I said, just because I like, um, you know, uh, Number of the Beast and, and Peace of Mind, but I don't like this one. You know, that's fine. It doesn't matter because it, it's it's all subjective. You know, I mean, there's there's it's just what what sounds good to your ears, what makes sense to your brain, whatever it is. It's like you just you just have to roll with it. You know, you could for you could play it over and over again and, and try to get into it, but chances are you won't. If there's something about it you just don't like, and you, and you don't even know what it is. A lot of Maiden fans are like that too. I don't, you know, I don't. Some say, well, it's just more of the same, you know, or mm-hmm. whatnot. It's not really their favorite album. It's actually one of the records that I bumped off that came out the same year. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, really early Fate's Warning. Um, no. They dropped the record. Uh, it's not. It's the the old the original singer John Arch, mm-hmm. and it's really if you ever get a chance. I mean, I'll send you some stuff. It's really sounds like uh, a lot like Maiden, mm-hmm. just a little mm-hmm. heavier. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. So uh, so where are you at now? Okay. So I, my eight is Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry, and you know this was one of my early gateway metal albums. You know, I, I always look back at like. Metal Health by Quiet Riot and Stay Hungry. These were like the first, you know, metal albums that were, you know, were in the collection. And, you know, I think you've kind of said it all and and I've even said a little bit, but I mean, you know, classic videos, you got great songs like Stay Hungry, Burn in Hell, Captain Howdy. Um, And a couple things that people maybe don't think about or, or just, you know, don't men- mention enough is, you know, what a great singer D. Snyder is. You know what I mean? With, with, without D. Snyder, there is no Twisted Sister. Let's face it. You know, he wrote all the songs. And the one thing that I'm, I'm really impressed with, especially as I go back and listen to stuff as an adult, is the melodies. You know, when you think of the melody of... Um, we're not going to take it. I mean, that could be like a, a big band, like like a classical marching band or something could sing that, you know, could play that, you know. You know, it's just, it's like, I don't know. It's like a soaring melody. You know what I mean? And um, what I've noticed. Um, what I've noticed. Like an anthem. Yeah, it's like an anthem. Yeah, oh, oh it is, of course. And what I've noticed, um, like with some of D's recent releases, no, no disrespect to what he does today, but for some reason the well has run dry he doesn't write his own songs um i know he has like jamie jasta and all these people writing his songs for him and when you hear him play these new songs to me i can tell that he didn't write them because i don't get that same kind of melody and once again i wouldn't expect him to come out and recreate stay hungry but if you go back and you listen to all of his albums even the ones that weren't big like come out and play Come out and play is the same kind of thing. If you listen to that verse melody, you know it's got it's like it's like classical music and it's like these soaring melodies and it's really unique and it's really cool. And I gotta say, I miss it because when you when you narrow down their catalog, it's very small, right? They really just had that little window from what I don't know if they started whatever they started, 81, 82, you know, early 80s. And then they were done in 87. And I don't think they've ever really done any other music besides like that Christmas album. So it's sad that his songwriting well dried up because he's he's freaking talented. Yeah, I love that Christmas album too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you have it, but it, it's really good. And and uh, have you have you watched the uh, We Are Twisted Sister? Have you seen that? No, no. Is that good? Oh, yeah. You got to watch it because it only takes you up to stay hungry and then it says to be continued mm-hmm. so i don't know if that's like in the works for uh you know to come out soon i really hope it is because they had a really long long club career mm-hmm. and it's just you know it took them so long to get to to, to stay hungry it's crazy to, to really get that break um but yeah he, he is definitely a, a good singer and i don't think he gets the credit it's funny because he always says that, you know, he's never been told that he's officially in the band. He's just kind of been hanging out there. And it's like, I'm like you. It's without him. It's, you yeah. know, there is no Twisted Sister. And then, funny story, um, back when that came out, uh, a friend of mine thought that J.J. French was Ace Fraley. And I was like, <laughs> that's not Ace Fraley. Because Ace was, he wasn't in Kiss anymore. And, you know, nobody knew really what he was doing. And, uh, and if you look at J.J. French now, Ace has that. It's Ace's like hair and it's the shape of his head and his hair. It's like the silhouette. Yeah. If you put that and JJ French together, you can kind of see it. JJ French used to wear the 
these are sunglasses and makeup, so it was like, yeah. But I, I knew about a guitar playing that it was like, no, nah, that's not Ace, you know. Oh right. But it was funny that like a bunch of fourteen-year-olds thought that uh, that JJ French was Ace Frehley. I just <laughs> thought that was kind of funny. All man, there's you know you could you could do a whole podcast about the dumb shit that people believed or thought back in the day. You know, no internet, you know, li- limited information. People would just come up with these crazy stories, and you know, it's like the stuff where like people would say. Gene Simmons used to stomp on chickens with his monster boots on stage. It's like, where does this crap come from? Actually, that's actually more of like what Alice Cooper, when he threw the chicken out into the crowd, you know, but like these stories like mutated, you know, back in the day, you know, it was all, all these, uh, you know, who knows, tall tales. Number seven. In any case, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to greet some gentlemen who are from New Jersey, various parts thereof. Their tours, I'm sure, will take them all over the world before this year is up. Please greet Bon Jovi. Okay, so number seven, I got the Bon Jovi debut. Nice, um, nice. It's really crazy. Went to a girl's house after school, and and uh, I was like, "What is this?" You know, she popped it on, and I heard "Runaway" and a couple different songs on there that caught my ear, and I was like, "This is different." Like you, I like to write songs, and mm-hmm. I kind of judge what I like by the songwriting. Mm-hmm. I like stuff to have melody and, and uh, the songwriting on this album is just, I mean, come on. She Don't Know Me, mm. Chop Through the Heart, Oh yeah, Love Lies. It's it's just a great record, man. I, you know, I caught a lot of crap for grabbing the cassette and having it in my car, you know, later years. Um, when I started driving and it was in the, the cassette case and you know my friends would want to throw it out the window and stuff like oh man what is this you know (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's just a just a good record and i still listen to it now i like i pop the cd in and just let it play through and and uh you know i enjoy it as much now than i did then so yeah what do you got for number seven okay so what do you you want to say about that nothing yet (laughs) nothing yet nothing yet um Number seven for me will not shock uh, many people, but but I almost was forgotten. I for, almost forgot that it came out this year. You know, that's one thing when you go back. Sometimes it gets fuzzy. Like, was this eighty five? Was this eighty four? Was it? You, you you can't even remember what the hell year it came out. But I almost forgot this. This is the album that pushed Van Halen nineteen eighty four off the list. TNT, Knights of the New Thunder. Um, so this yes. is this was the album that I had I had to have on my list. Like I said, I almost forgot it. But um, the thing here with this album, um, TNT, they're not quite there. You know, I mean, this is the first album with Tony Harnell. There may be one other album that was with the other singer before this. I, I've never even listened to that album, but it really starts with when Tony Harnell is in the band. And uh, there's a lot of great moments, though. You know what I mean? There's still great songs. You know, Seven Seas, Eddie, Break the Ice, Last Summer's Evil. And, you know, before the yes. we started talking, I was listening to Lost Without Your Love. And, like, that's like, it almost sounds like soft rock. It doesn't even sound like it could be a metal band. But um, I think all the elements, even though, like I said, I think what follows is much better. Um, Tell No Tales and Intuition are just smoke this album, in my opinion. But this album is really good, and, and they were off to a good start. Uh, the, the guitar playing of Ronnie Latikro is is still spot on and is very unique, even on this album. And Tony Harnell's voice is so killer. So, what, like I got uh, with these guys together, you really can't do any wrong. But like I said, you could see where they were headed. This was a great first outing with the two of them together, and they just kept building on that and, and doing better releases after that. So, what, what do you think of that one? You know that I'm a TNT fan, yeah. and that was my introduction to TNT mm-hmm. and funny because it, that was actually one of the three albums that I let Van Halen bump out because uh, ah. that was a big deal for me. I, not everybody knew about TNT and um, I think they might have been a little bit ahead of their time. I think so. Um, you know, and the songs aren't for everybody, but like we were just saying about Bon Jovi record, um, I like a lot of melody and it's like, Come on, Last Summer's Evil. It's like, I mm. play that for people, and they're like, I don't get it. And I'm like, this is just the, the structure of that song. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's it's a really catchy song. And like you said, Lost Without Your Love, uh, Eddie, oh. like the story behind it, yeah. the, the cool. creepiness of it. It's just, 
Break the Ice. Uh, one of my bands used to cover Break oh, the Ice. Love Break the Ice. You know, the singer singer had to sing it falsetto, so it didn't really sound as great. <laughs> the music was spot on. It was just the vocals. But, no, nah, man, I'm a big fan of the record. I still listen to it. It should have been on my list, but, you know, I'm glad it's on yours. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what do you got for six? Uh, number six is Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith. Nice. Um, nice. It was a big deal back then for me and it's a big deal now i just like the record it's not a favorite with priest fans but uh you know um first song i ever heard of off of it was some heads are gonna roll love that song um yeah it's a great song uh free will burning the Mm -hmm. sentinel Mm -hmm. love bites rock hard rocks you know ride free Judas priest is probably next to kiss the band that i've ever seen live the most uh, not really sure why opportunity, I guess it's, you already know that I was on the fuel for life tour in the actual, at the show that they actually filmed that heavy metal right. parking lot. Yeah. Nice. I think we talked about that before, yeah. but, uh, um, yeah, it's just a, a cool record. Like I said, I, I heard some heads are going to roll and it, I was hooked from that point on and it's up there with, uh, as far as priest records go for me, it's one of my favorites. What do you think of it? Um, you know, it's funny. It's just an album that I don't go to a lot. I, I, once again, I think it's because when I caught Priest, uh, like I said, I got into music mostly in 86. So the first Priest album I ever got was Turbo, then Ram It Down, then Painkiller. So, it, you know, some of the ones before are, are fuzzy to me. Like, I, I never got them. But... All the songs you mentioned, I love all those songs. I've got the double disc um, Metal Works that has like all that, you know, a lot of the tracks that you mentioned on it. So uh, I've also got some mixed CDs that have those songs on it. So I, I dig all the songs that you mentioned. I love Judas Priest, but I think for me, you know, for better or for worse, Priest kind of starts. Uh, where I'm very familiar with the complete album starting at um, that Turbo. and uh, But no, th- that's a great album. And I, I mean, I love Judas Priest, so I, can, I can't fault you for that. It's just probably was a timing thing where I just didn't, I wasn't there for that and, and I didn't ever uh, go back to it. So it's just, it's something where I've maybe caught up with it more in recent years. But I'm a big, I love Priest, love them. Yeah, it really was the, uh, the transition record for Priest because yeah. previous to that, you get what I call classic Priest. Yes. And, uh, yep. you know, I like that, too. But this record was their transition from that sound and from that band to the albums that you're talking about, yep. um, Turbo and Painkiller and, and stuff like that. It was really um, kind of carried them in a whole different direction from what they were. And I think that's why the classic Priest fans don't like it. <laughs> right. And then, yeah. you know, the later Priest fans... And it's because it's it's the middle record. I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah. But uh, no, you're right. Yeah. So, so my number six. Uh, I'm going with Rat out of the cellar, and I think uh, once again, it's just as we were talking about staying, stay hungry being you know uh, the best album by Twisted Sister. I don't think too many people can argue that Out of the Cellar is Rat's best album. I mean, you're in trouble. I love lack of communication, man. It's such a cool riff um, with the the gang vocals and, and everything about it. I don't ever get sick of Round and Round. That's a great song. Um, Percy's voice just fits this stuff so great. Demartini's playing. The whole band's good. And another thing about this album that I wanted to mention is the sound production. Because I think out of all the albums that we've talked about thus far... This is the best sounding album, sonically. I feel like music is just kind of getting there. Um, Especially if you go back before 84... You know, some albums sound good, some don't. You know what I mean? It, it, we're not there yet with with sound quality or sound production for metal. But I think once you get to this album in particular, this is almost the template of what a lot of bands did after for the sound quality and, and how to produce this kind of music. So I think to go back and listen to it today, like I said, I think it's their best. Every song, you can listen to this whole album and you don't have to skip a single track. And the sound quality is just top notch. Bow Hill, baby, Bow Hill. I- I agree. I don't, I don't, that's another one that was, I struggled back and forth, you know, where to put it. Mm -hmm. It's a great record. I agree with everything you said. Sonically, I don't know what uh, Warren was doing with his guitars 
at that time. I don't know if it's, you know, the tuning or, you know, some kind of, there's just something about that, that like you said, that's, it's just a, a really clear sound on the guitars, even at soloing stuff. And he's a real melodic player. So yes. it's, uh, you know, it's, he's, he can trade, but he shreds with melody and that's important. It fits the songs. It adds melody to it. Um, like you said, best record that they've done. My number five, which you've already talked about, is uh, I really struggle with this because I'm a Kiss fan. You're a Kiss fan, but uh, number five... Animalize. Animalize. So you got it a lot higher than I had, so that's good. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably the, you know, the Kiss fan in me. But, uh, you know, I do like Heavens on Fire. I do like Thrills in the Night. Mm-hmm. I've had enough in their fire stuff. It's, like you said, it's just, you know, it's songs that I did like. I don't listen to as much. I don't enjoy them as much. And it's just, after Lick It Up, it was like I really wanted a good Kiss album, and I don't feel like I got the album I was expecting until Asylum. Right. That's that's the record I wanted at that time. Didn't get it. Asylum, uh, Animalize wasn't it. So yeah, I don't really have a, a lot more to say about it. Um, you know, sorry to the Kiss fans that you know <laughs> the video is great, like yeah. we already said. But yeah, that's. You know, it is what it is. It's hey, I put it at number five. You know, yeah. I put it in the middle. You're generous. <laughs> you know, you you made you made me think of something, and um, I I, I want to talk about the sound quality a little bit of this album. I actually think sonically, oh. this this I, I I know a lot of people don't like it, but for me, when I go back and listen to it, I think I like the sound quality better on this album than I do on Lick It Up. There's something about Lick It Up that just drives me crazy with the sound because I think Creatures of the Night sounds amazing. Like, that's, I love that sound. I mean, the there's a lot of crazy, like, effects on the guitars and the drums sound is so massive. And then I feel like when you get to lick it up i don't know it just feels like they neutered the sound a little bit like they they cut everything that was good about the kiss sound back a little bit i mean it worked because the album sold way better but i think for me with like the crispness and the clarity especially of the drums i think the drums sound better on animalize at least to my ears than they do on lick it up there's there's something muffled about lick it up or so i don't know what it is like you know as i got somebody who farts around with music and, and produce you know puts together you know even if it's just something simple on garage band there's something that just doesn't sound good to me about the sound quality of lick it up i don't know what it is i think a lot of around that time there the, there was like you know we we all know gene was absent for things and mm-hmm. guitar players were here and there and i think it was a lot of stuff where you know, Paul was was laying bass tracks, and uh, right. you know, how do we? Know? I mean, Paul's a guitar player. How does he know what sounds good? You know, what sounds good for bass for him is, you know, mm-hmm. not what sounds good to Gene or whatever. It's, I, you know, I think a lot of that played into it. But uh, yeah, they, both of those records sonically could have been a lot better. There, um, like I said, thank God for a solemn. I mean, there's people <laughs> that will disagree with that, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a fan. It's if it was 1985, the first Bon Jovi album I ever got was Slippery When Wet. Let's again, I, I, this is pretty clear. Got into music in 86. Of course, this is going to be an album that I'm going to pick up because it's just a huge album. And as far back as I ever went was 7800 Fahrenheit. I never got this album. I want to say I might have heard Runaway back in that t- time period. And it was just really synth heavy. I don't know. Something about it just didn't register with me. And I avoided this album for years and years and years like the plague. Like I just never listened to it. Didn't want anything to do with it. I don't even know why. So uh, I want to say maybe 10, 8 to 10 years ago, uh, I actually had a vehicle that had a tape deck in it. And, and man, and I'm proud of that, okay? So I must have had, somebody must have gave me this tape or I bought this tape at a used shop. I don't know how the hell I even had this tape. But I started listening to this in my car because 
I think the cool thing about tapes, uh, CDs, I mean, I granted, hey, I get it right now. You can go in a car and there's none of this stuff. You just have a MP3 or you have um, Sirius or whatever. But back in the day, you know, if you had a CD, you would skip. So you'd listen to a little bit and you'd skip, you'd skip, you'd skip. When I was listening, you know, like I said, about eight, ten years ago in the car to these cassettes, I was listening to the full album because it was really a pain in the ass to try to fast forward through songs, right? So I would just listen to the whole damn album, first side, second side, you know, back and forth to work. And I completely fell in love with this album. I thought it was amazing. I was like, where has this album been all my life? Like, why was I not listening to this album? And you nailed it. I mean, every freaking song is so catchy and so melodic and well thought out. I mean, roulette shot through the heart burning for love is a super super cool song with just a cool melody right. and well i mean i think if we if we compare bon jovi like as players and singers to all the people we've talked about so far i would say they they pale in comparison but as songwriters this probably smokes most of the albums we've talked about when it comes to like catchy melodic well-written songs so that's my story for Bon Jovi. I'm a late late bloomer with the debut, but now, hey man, I at least for me, I'm not completely burnt out with it because I've only been listening to it for maybe like the past eight years or so. So um, I love it. I, I think it's their best album. So, don't you think that um, John's voice, like on uh, "Slippery Slippery When Wet," he's he seems like he has a higher range, but it's kind of like a a nasally, I don't really know how to how to describe Slippery. When you listen to those two albums back to back, I actually think his voice sounded better on the debut. Mm-hmm. It's just something changed where he was trying to, I mean, he still had the range, but it's just, you know, he was trying to do something on Slippery, which, which you got to keep in mind, Desmond Child wrote most of the songs for that, um, for Slippery When Wet. So, mm-hmm. He was probably trying to sing. When you're trying to sing somebody else's songs, you're not going to sing them as well as a song you wrote yourself. You know, yeah. it's just. Uh, I think that's probably what has a lot to do with it. But uh, I'll have to go back and check that yeah. out. But when you saying that makes me think about Paul Stanley's voice on "Lick It Up" because I've always thought his voice exactly. sounded weird on "Lick It Up," like different than it usually does. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Or yeah, yeah, you know, I know exactly what you mean. And, yeah, and uh, if, if you if you listen to trying to think which record. That's because uh, Paul wrote with Desmond. A lot of that, that I call it the PS3 formula or the Desmond Child mm-hmm. formula. It's like, you know, he writes a lot in uh, E minor, C, mm-hmm. and D major. Um, and you, Paul does the same thing. If Paul's singing a Desmond song, he's it's someone else's song. It's I don't, right. I don't really know how else to put it. Right. Um, you're a singer now, so I guess you know <laughs> when you write your own stuff, you write it for yourself and for your voice. Right. But when someone else writes something and you get a demo of it, you're actually trying to, you know, it's like karaoke. You're trying to sing someone else's song. Right. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with it, but, uh, yeah, but just a great album, man. It's for anybody that doesn't know, you know, they really should go back and, and, uh, give it to Peter Chris treatment, you know, listen to it again. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other can of worms. All right, man. We're getting down to the nitty gritty now. What's your number four? All right. Um, I know this is probably on your list somewhere, but I have it at number four. The uh, Wasp debut. Um, You know, come on, man. This record is just... When I got my hands on this, it was... um, The visual of it, you know, being a Kiss fan... um, it was like, wow, this is not shout at the devil Motley Crue. It kind of looks like it, but it's times 10. Um, I really like Blackie's voice, yep. which you know, because I told you, you sound like Blackie. Um, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you got that Blackie, Alice Cooper kind of, you know, love child thing. But uh, yeah, man, just every, the songs on this record, you know, like I said, I was 14, you know, B.A.B., School Days. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. Torture never stops. I mean, Love that song. you know, me and my friends would like watch horror movies and then in between listen to Wasp Wasp. So, mm. yeah, <laughs> I can see that. That, that would fit perfectly, yeah. <laughs> and at the time, it was all those 80s slasher movies yeah. and stuff. It was just, uh, it fit right in. Um, I was hooked. I'm still hooked. 
again, like I said about listening to Maiden and stuff, you know, it's like uh, I'll be out in the yard doing stuff, and I'll take the boombox out and crank this up, and it's like if the neighbor's kids are in the yard, I feel bad because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like, maybe maybe I should turn it down. You know, you see you see the neighbors taking the kids in the house. You know, I'm like, huh, oh, oh, you know. And uh, my parents hated this. They hated it. It's like I had to listen to this record through headphones because they actually, you know, my mom, who was really supportive of just about anything I listened to, not not so much my dad, but uh, yeah, my, even my mom was like, I don't know what that is, but put your damn headphones on. I don't want to hear it no more, you know? <laughs> and, and that just made me love it even more, you know? It's like, oh, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, just, just uh, like I said, I'm sure it's going to pop up somewhere, maybe. Um, oh yeah, we'll see. It's gonna pop up on there. I think as we get to the end, there. I think some people will be surprised. I'm thinking maybe not about some of my choices, and this might be a surprise choice right here. But number four. I got Metallica ride the lightning, and for me, this is my favorite Metallica album. Uh, And I I think when I, you know, was playing in bands as a kid, definitely James Hatfield was an influence as like a singer. I felt like that was a voice that I I tried to replicate. Um, And you know, some of the cool things that they do on this album, I feel like. You know, kill 'em all is cool. I I like that because it's it's pretty simplistic for for in the you know in the sense of Metallica. But I also I don't feel like they've got their their own sound yet. You know, I feel like they're replicating some of this British heavy metal sounds and whatnot. And when you get to this album, they're really coming into their own. And the cool thing is the whole album starts off you know with the um, with fight fire with fire, and you've got the the classical or the the clear guitar. And man. Everybody ripped them off, you know, after that. I mean, Annihilator did that. Testament did that. I mean, everybody took that from them. And what's cool about this album, I feel like they're coming into their own. They're getting a little, little more complicated, but the songs are still catchy. You know what I mean? Like, once again, we, we, you and I like those kind of hooks and those those catchy songs, man. And like Escape, Trapped Under Ice, uh, Obviously, for whom the bell tolls. I mean, they're they're thrash metal, but they're actually pretty melodic. Especially Escape, man. Escape. The chorus of Escape is wicked melodic, and you can't forget the sick bass work from um, Cliff Burton. You know, on whom for whom the bell tolls, and and all the other tracks as well. So I love this album. Sonically, not their best. I feel like this is one of those albums that was exactly what we were just talking about uh, a little while ago, where you know, if this had the sound quality of like the production of like rat out of the cellar you know if they had a little bit more budget money i mean this album would be just off the charts but the material the creativity everything they had going on man i was loving it good choice man i'm glad you got it on your list because like i said it's one that i struggled with um i wanted it on there i just didn't have enough spots to put it in escape man the hidden gem of that record it really it. is it's like <laughs> that chorus it, you know and, and it's you know, it, it it's like, come on, man, Creeping Death. It was, oh, to me, okay, right the other right thing name. is, mm. like in 84, I really wasn't aware. I was aware of it, but I wasn't aware of it because I wasn't into, that's not even thrash now, but back then it was. Right, uh, right. This record was, was definitely thrash back then, but what came later, it just was like really fast metal. It wasn't thrash, but... uh for some reason, I just didn't really get into it till like 85 or 86, but then I was full, was like full into it. Mm-hmm. Just a great record. Um, you know, everybody's like, oh, Kill Em All is, was, you know, nah, this is better than Kill Em All. Definitely. Um, I won't say that I like it better than the follow-up to it, but mm-hmm. uh, either my favorite or second favorite Metallica record. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one I, I listened to it over, over the Black Album, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of people that's, that's, you know, from that point on, I kind of start to lose interest. My, it's like for Metallica, I kind of wane away from it, but that's still definitely one that I'll listen to. So I'm glad you have it on yours because I was, I didn't want to like not have it, <laughs> but it just, you know, like I said, you need 20 song, uh, 20, 20 spots. Yeah. Oh, to, to do it all to really, for sure. What, to do it all to really, to really sum the year up. So now we're getting real serious here, man. Three left. What do you got? What's your three? I think my my final three are really going to just. I know that you're going to have no interest in my number three because <laughs> I know your feelings about this band. I know you only like one record by this band. I already know who it is. You only like that one. 
Yep, and you you know what the one record is, and you know why you like that one record. But for right. me, it's uh, Deep Purple's Perfect Strangers. Yeah. Okay. Deep Purple. No, man. I, I was thinking of somebody else. I was I was thinking of Y and T, but but I think maybe they didn't have an album out in '84. <laughs> Because Y&T yeah, falls into the same category. I love Contagious because it's the glam album from, from 87, but I don't care for any of the other ones. I thought we were talking about Y&T. Okay, man. Sorry. Proceed. <laughs> no, I got Like I said, this my final three is really going to – well, no, one of them won't, but uh, my number three and number two is probably going to throw a loop on you. But mm-hmm. this was just a big record for me. It's a, in my opinion, that's what I think like hardcore Deep Purple fans, which I'm not – I think they call it version two or Mark two or something. Yeah, it's that lineup yeah. of, of uh, Ian Gillen and Richie Blackmore and stuff. But, uh, you know, th- this was the first record. They got the original, that lineup together. Um, my favorite line, but they did like machine head and, you know, the next three up to burn or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when Coverdale got in there, but, uh, just a lot of good songs on the record. Um, at the time I really like his voice on the record mm-hmm. and of course Richie Blackmore's one of my favorite guitar players so the songs I mean you know probably the title track and Knocking at Your Back Door I, I do know that my, my wife likes that song she plays that song all the time so I do know that song yep yeah it, it was it was like I said it was a, a long hiatus from not from Deep Purple but just that lineup nobody ever thought they would get back together and I think I actually think that Ian Gillen was like at the same time, um, when did Born Again from Sabbath come out? Was that 83? Yeah, so he 82? must have been just winding down from that. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, it was like really close where, you know, and and, and he sounds like King Diamond on that record, on the Sabbath record. Mm-hmm. Too. I mean, it's like, I like it, but I was just like, it didn't even sound like him. Um, and then, of course, on this record, it's, he sounded like, like himself again, like the, what I was familiar with. But I don't know. It, it was just a... a at the time, it was a big record. I really enjoyed it, and I still listen to it. I still enjoy it. I don't, you know, not every track is great. It's only nine tracks on it. Um, it's got a kind of a ballad. I don't know if you'd call it a ballad, but it's kind of a mellow, wasted sunsets. Um, it's a pretty good song. Uh-huh. You know, if you ever get a chance, give it a listen as an adult now and see what you think of it. You probably haven't heard it in a long time. Yeah, man. But, uh, what do you got at number three? And one thing I want to say, no, I like two Deep Purple albums. I like Slaves and Masters, and I like Machine Head. <laughs> so, so there we go. I like two. Yep. All right. So okay. Um, so yeah. Well, that was my introduction to it. And, I, and like I said, I know you. I know why you, you like Slaves and Masters oh, too. So yeah. It's, it's, Oh, good. That's a great record. Okay, yep. so three, three <laughs> is where I have Wasp, and um, I mean, what can I say, man? I, I love Blackie's voice. I love Blackie Lawless. Um, I love the classic lineup, but this is not my favorite Wasp album. I think I like two other albums better, and but I know that the general consensus is is people put this just like they do Stay Hungry, just like Out of the Cellar. This is the best Wasp album. I can't fault people for that, but I do. I do like Last Command better, and I do like Headless Shoulder better than this album. But uh, I'm not a fool. I know good music when I hear it, and you know I want to be somebody. Love Machine, um, Torture Never Stops, School Days. You know most of these, most of this album. You know if Wasp went out today and played a gig, they'd probably play you know half of this album. You know, you know songs back to back. So it's a great album. Uh, it's got a great vibe. And uh, what can I say, man? I love it. It's, it's good stuff. Isn't the flame a fun song now? It is. Yeah. It's really, it's really repetitious, but it's just. It's, would you, would you look at the band, and you look at Blackie and and, and even Chris Holmes? He's kind of just like menacing, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, and then you listen to that song. It's kind of catchy. It's got the hook, you know. It's just like I said, it's repetitious, but you know, not what you expect. But yeah, it's just a great album. Two number yeah. two. What do you got, Dan? Number two. This is another one. This one's going to throw you a loop. I got the uh, Scorpions. Love it first thing. All right. Okay. I-, I love the Scorpions. Love them. Well, I-, I think you probably like from this, the follow-up to this record. And uh, I know you, I hear you talk about that. We talked about it before. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, just, I mean, come on. One of the, the I'm a, I, most people hate, what, they, what you want to call power ballads or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't like all of them. I don't like the, the later eighties 
you know, where people were just kind of pushing them out there just because every record had to have one on it or whatever. But uh, still loving you, man. Come on, that's that's like you just don't get any any uh, more of a power ballad. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, now Rocky like a hurricane. You know, some people are like oh, I'm sick of that song or Big City Nights. But um, in '84, I was just learning to play guitar and you know getting into the more metal guitar stuff and something that wasn't Kiss. Um, and these songs were easy to learn, easy to play. You could get four guys together, put a band together, and you could play Big City Nights. You know, it's, yep. it wasn't like real hard. But later, like songs I didn't care about in '84 is like you know, Soon as the Good Times, Roll, Crossfire, Crossfire. Same Thrill could have been on Blackout. I mean, it, it definitely before before this record, I only knew about Blackout, and I only knew like uh, No One Like You. Yeah, I didn't really know a lot about Scorpions. This after this record, I kind of went backwards with their catalog and and uh, discovered a whole lot of other stuff, which, you know, they're like one of my favorite bands. Um, but yeah, just, just good songwriting. Um, some people have a problem with the, you know, the accents, European singing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in English. Um, it's it's an acquired taste. It doesn't bother me, you know. Um, same thing, like, we both love loudness, you know. Come oh, on. yeah. Most people don't, and that's, that's what turns them off. Scorpions, it's not as bad, but... Uh, no, it's not as bad. I mean, I can go on and on and on about this record, but I won't. Yeah, that's my number two. Now, what do you got? <laughs> I don't have this on my list. So let me clarify a couple things. This is another one of those mystery albums that I don't like for some reason. Maybe I got a vendetta against certain 84 albums. Well, listen, okay, <laughs> I, I don't like I don't like any of the albums before they got on Polygram. I've tried. They don't sound right to me. So let's just throw that out there. But I love Love Drive. I love Animal Magnetism. And I love Blackout. Okay, I can listen to those whole albums all the way through. I don't know what it is about this album, but aside, I do like Crossfire quite a bit. And I, I'm not going to say that the singles are bad. I'm probably just maybe local radio when I was a kid just burnt this yep. album out. They played all these like all these yep. friggin' songs were on the radio 24 seven when I was a kid. So that might be part of it. Now, once we get past it this is. album, That's exactly, yeah, I love. Um, uh, Savage Amusement. Savage Amusement. I love it. But yeah. I think that's the drop-off at that point. I don't like Crazy World that much, and then pff, forget about it. I, I don't I don't know if I like really any of the yeah, after crazy <laughs> After that. After Crazy World. I, yeah, after Crazy World, I'm, I'm lost. Yeah. I don't know, you know. Um, I hear that their latest record's really good, but I haven't given it a full listen. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so... That's it, man. That's that's number two. Well, my final two, I probably anybody who who's followed me on Twitter or knows my taste won't be completely surprised, but I think people who know me for liking glam metal and stuff are gonna be a little surprised. So my number two is Manowar. Sign of the Hammer. All right, and I love now Manowar. Okay, let's put this out there. Manowar has two albums released in 1984. Um, I'm not huge into Hail to England. I don't even know if I feel like it's a real album. It feels like almost like an EP. It doesn't feel like a complete album. Some people swear by it; they love it. Uh, I think there's some definitely cool moments, but I, I look at this one. Uh, you, t- I can't. Who are you talking about? Oh, Priest. Okay, so you were talking about Priest with the transition album, and I think Sign of the Hammer is the transition album for Manowar. So they they kind of had like this darker, uh, you know, power metal, independent labels, and all this kind of stuff from you know in the early '80s, and then Sign of the Hammer. They're on Virgin Records. And then after this, they're on Atlantic. And from the jump from from Sign of the Hammer to Fighting the World, sonically, Manowar is on a big label. You can tell the sound quality is at a bigger budget. And I think sonically, Manowar really excel after this album. But this album kind of is the structure that a lot of the other Manowar albums follow. And Manowar, if you're not a Manowar fan, check out some of these songs because... It's it's not what exactly what you think it would be, and I'm going to explain some of that. Well, first, before I even get into the song topics and that they sing about, um, there's a lot of talent in this band. And if anyone's ever listened to Eric Adams, nobody can tell me that he's not an incredible singer. He sells these songs, and he makes Man of War, just like as we talked about with Dee Snyder uh, for Twisted Sister. And the guys in the band, man, this is like your metal Zeppelin or something. I mean, you got Joey DeMaio as a killer on the bass, Ross the Boss, Scott Columbus, um, these dudes are just sick, sick musicians. And 
it's not all warrior songs. So people think you know, they see Man of War with their swords and their loincloths. And maybe when you see that, you're completely turned off and you run the other way. But, you know, they've got All Men Play on 10, which is their rocker song. You know, it's about rock music and about the music that they play. They've got a song called Animals, which is their their sex tune. So so they're di- they're dipping into different areas. Middle of the album, they go full warrior. They're doing um, Four and Sign of the Hammer. And the craziest song, one of my favorite Man of War songs of all time, the last song, epic track, Guyana, Cult of the Damned. And it's about the Jonestown cult massacre with Reverend Jim and, and giving the poison Kool-Aid. Now, I've never really even known about this if it wasn't for Manowar. So Manowar is, you know, bringing some real world topics into their music. So um, I'm going to leave it at that. If you've never heard Sign of the Hammer, go check it out because it's not exactly, it's some of what you think it is, but it's definitely goes into some different directions. So I definitely will check it out because I had some friends that were, you know, when I was younger that were like big Man of War fans and and so I'm familiar with it, but it was just, I never actually, I think I have, I'm trying to think, which the one that looks like Destroyer. I have like one. Fight one in the World. Set. Yeah. That's the one then, right after this one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then, you know, you're always talking about it. And I just, I really haven't taken the time to just like really just, you know, when I'm kicking back doing nothing, just put it on and listen to it. And that's what I need to do. So send me, send me a starting point. Okay. And I'll check it out. Because I'll, I'm, I'll probably send you, you know. Guyana Cult of the Dam because it's so, it, it, if you like those epic maiden tracks, this is, you probably, you probably wouldn't like this. So if you, if you dig some of those, you know, like, uh, you know, the stuff that's on the power slave and some of that kind of stuff, um, this is right up that same alley. So Man of War, but like I said, they go to different extremes. You know, sometimes they're kind of corny and cheesy, uh, and then sometimes they get really deep and and intricate. So it's they're they're like a conundrum. People just don't understand them because they're just they're weird, man. They're weirdos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's well. I usually like that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely send me some. I will. I knew you were going to have them one there, just just because I know you. So right. I like. <laughs> So not, not a surprise, not a surprise for, for you. Maybe for others, but but not for you. All right, man, this is the big moment. Number one. It is. What it's, do we got? It's it's crazy, but, uh, you know, you know, I'm a huge fan of this band, um, and it's not their most popular record, but um, this guy has dated all the worst women in the world. I don't think he has ever dated a woman that took care of him. Um but it's docking tooth and nail, man. Oh, uh, so that's your number that one? My, wow. It's my number one, dude. That was my introduction to docking. The songs were different to me. I know what you mean about the sound of a record because it doesn't sound like their other records, yeah. but I think I know Under Lock and Key, and um, I'm not sure about Back for the Pack, I think it is too, was produced by uh, Wagener, Mike, Michael Wagener. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what he's doing now, man. He, it, it, that guy's just like... Um, if you get a chance, just kind of look him up and kind of look at like his laundry list of things he's produced. Uh, and I think that's where their sound got better. But, uh, you know, before him, um, this is what you got. I like the way that, uh, George Lynch was just to me, it was like, I'm not a big whammy bar guy. I, I don't even, most of my guitars don't have whammy bars. I mean, the ones that do, I don't even use them. I like the way that, you know, that he uses it. I like his guitar playing. I like Don's voice. Uh, like I said, apparently Don has just dated all the, the horrible women. <laughs> his heart's been broken 800 it's, times. It's, it's all documented I, on all their albums. I mean, he just, yeah, it's like every song is just, you know, but at the time I liked it and I still, you know, there's not a docking album that, that I don't put on and, and just let it play through. And mm-hmm. I mean, Bullets to Spare, like, That's a cool song. you know, most people don't, yeah, it's, it's, into the fire, um, the way he does like a little bit of acoustic stuff and, and uh, you know, without warning, just all of it. Uh, just got lucky. That was the big, uh, most familiar song. But uh, having comes down, don't close your eyes. Yeah, you know all the songs. Right? Oh but yeah, that's it, man. Docking. I'm a big Docking fan. That's why. That was the you know, that was my introduction to him. I still listen to it. So that's my number one. Take it or leave it. Love it or hate it. Well, you know, here I got to do my number one. This might throw some people for a loop, man. Hey, 
but it's uh, The Warning by Queensryche. Oh, man. There you go. And, you know... There you go. It's a great record, man. This album... I don't know what it is, but it just, it kind of fascinates me. Like, I, not to sound cheesy, but this album has grown on me over time. You know, I think I probably, like a lot of people, probably discovered Queensryche with Operation Mindcrime. And um, I would probably say that's their, their crowning achievement, you know. But I think the stuff that surrounds that album is pretty damn good, too. You know what I mean? Empire's great. Rage for Order's awesome. And this is the album, though, that I probably would put... It's either my second or third favorite by these guys. I, I really like it, and it, it's grown uh, on me over the years. And I, I'm so you probably like this because you said you like Fate's Warning and you like Maiden. And at this point, you know, at least when the album starts for me, I feel like you're getting a lot of that Maiden vibe uh, with songs like The Warning and all that. But I think as the album gets going, we're starting to hear the true Queensryche kind of come out. And it's that Jeff Tate. Once again, we talked about all the, how all these guys right make their bands. And I don't care what anyone says. Chris DeGarmo and Michael Wilton, all these guys are super talented. But Jeff Tate is Queensryche. And I think when I listen to this album, I, I hear it more than ever because – he really invented a singing style. At least it, it sounds that way to me. And a lot of people like some of the guys like in Fate's Warning and um, Lizzie Borden, I think, even has copped some stuff from Jeff Tate. Um, Crimson Glory. You know what I mean? That like I feel like Jeff Tate was the first guy to at least make this kind of moody, operatic vocal thing really big. Uh, that's just my opinion. You know what I mean? He's very original. Yeah, you know? he, he, took it, he took it a step further than Dickinson was, um, yeah. you know, um, and, and Halford, Halford yeah. and, and, and Bruce were, you know, they could hit that, that I think it's called the fourth octave or fifth, whatever mm-hmm. it is that, uh, but, but, you know, he does it. Even Tony Harnell is still, you know, and like you said, Crimson Glory, but Jeff just like, he just does it in a different way, man. It's like, he has so much control and it's like, yeah, he can go from a low range up to that, like take hold of the flame. That yeah. was one of the first songs that, yeah. that, uh, that, uh, I mean, the first, I think it was their EP, um, Queen of the Reich was the, the first song I'd ever heard by him. I was like, it just, I was like, what the hell is this? And then, uh, I actually had the warning on my list to, and struggled with where to put it. But, uh, really, I didn't, 84, I didn't really get into that till like 85. And I think it was because, a friend of mine had it, and, you know, and like I said, it just uh, uh, what's it? Before the storm. Yeah, before the storm. Before the storm. Yeah, great song. Yeah. Okay. So the build up of that when they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa before the storm, yeah. before the storm, whoa, whoa, it's like it builds up, and then the release on it, where you know, um, it's just crazy. Like, I, you know, I probably I know there's a lot of people that follow you and, and follow me on Twitter that are um, are really in the rage for order, which. That's probably my favorite Queensryche. That's great. Um, record is Rage for Order, and then, like you said, Operation Mind Crime. But there's, I don't even know what the warning's about. I've, I've read the lyrics. I've listened to it. It's definitely some kind of concept, but I just don't. Yeah. Um, what do you think that, that I, I mean, <laughs> well, I, guess it's in, I guess you got to just leave it to interpretation. But. Well, I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because I have something about this written down that I wanted to mention. Okay, so... When I okay. interviewed him, okay, when he was on the podcast, I asked him the same thing. Because when I listen to this album, I feel it's about something. Like, it almost feels like, okay, prime example, the song NM156, where he's talking about emotions are the key. And he's, it's, it's almost like the machines are taking over. Um, so I feel like that's a piece of it. So I don't know if, if there's just pockets of this that are like a theme thing or is the whole thing a theme and like the warning, you know, are they trying to give us a warning that machines could take over, computers could take over? I don't know, but I figured I'd ask the guy, right? The guy who wrote the songs. And when I asked right. him what he told me, he gave me a very douchey response. And he said, uh, I don't like to put labels on things, okay? So if you want to go back, check out that episode of the <laughs> 80s Glam Metalcast. He said he doesn't want to put labels on anything. Well, Listen, man, I wasn't telling you you had to label it as heavy metal or, you know, progressive metal. I'm just asking you a simple question. 
is there a some form of underlying concept about this album? And he wouldn't answer it. But you know what, man? He's a cool dude. Even that he even took the time to talk to me was cool. And he promoted that, that cool. interview on Facebook. So, you know, he's a cool guy. And I got tons of respect for him. And he probably has to answer dumbass questions from nerds like me all the time. So I'm going to give him a pass. But I wanted don to get that answer because that that's what fascinates me about the album is it a concept album because it really feels like even one. like yeah like no sanctuary you know yeah. like it, it's like what 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 who and what happened to the children it's like right. you yeah. know it's 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 really cool it's it's you know like i like to listen to it i like to read it um you know the the lyrics really match the music the melodies um I can't say enough about the vocals, man. There's just nobody sounds like nobody sounds like Jeff T. No, you know, there's people that want to sound like him, people that try to sound like him, people that sound similar to him. But you know, it's he he definitely he definitely uh, is unique and and uh, just a great record. Yeah, and, and and one thing I just wanted to mention is the closing track, "Roads to Madness." is his he's got so much emotion when he's singing the chorus and there's orchestration in there and if uh if you read about this album on wikipedia a couple quick points about this album because i was was doing my homework um it's produced by pink floyd's one of pink floyd's producers uh produced this album and i feel when you go back and you listen to certain tracks like i like i mentioned with nm 156 and roads to madness you can hear some Pink Floydisms, you know what I mean? You hear some of that stuff kind of underlaid. Even though it's metal, you can hear some of that. And the other thing that I want to mention, which strikes me as really weird, is that it's not the work that that guy did, but I think somebody else went and mixed the album after the band was thought it was done. They they changed the mix, and they also changed the song order. And um, I guess that really pissed off the band. So the band... Uh, had a certain idea of what the song order would be, which would also make you believe that there is a concept that they were trying to to tell you. And it's almost like what happened with Kiss the Elder, how that lineup uh, of tracks got shooken up by the, the record company. So there's a couple mysterious things that, that come to play with this album. But like I said, if somebody hasn't heard this, if somebody has listened to this that has not heard this album, give it a listen. You'll be able to listen to the whole thing through, man. You're going to hear Queensryche kind of blossoming and becoming Queensryche. And like I said, it's just an interesting album because lyrically it's kind of thought-provoking. Like, what are they talking about? Like, And then think about the world you're in today. You've seen what machines have done. You've seen what computers have done. You know that when you talk, your Alexa hears what you say. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, this stuff was exactly. like foreshadowing the stuff that we're dealing with today. So Queensryche are ahead of their time, man. They kind of always were, at least from you know, their beginnings to maybe the Promised Land album. And then I feel like it kind of, there's that big drop off. But uh, I love Amanda. You know, like I said, this is one of those albums that is just, it keeps growing on me. And it just, I love listening to it. And I love kind of thinking about what it could be about. So that's my number one. Yeah, just just that, I mean, it throws me a loop that that's your number one. It's really cool. It's not what I expected. But uh, definitely, I'm glad you put it on there because, like I said, I had it. When I was looking through stuff, I'm like, oh, man. But, you know, again, I know it was released in 84. I didn't really fully get into it in 84 and uh, until later. But, yeah, man, that's a good list. Yeah, yeah, we, we both had good ones, man, and, and really not far off um, from from each other's. And I think a lot of it, once again, it was a product of not a ton in the market. Like I said, this this was a lot of fun, man. Good. But, I'm glad know. that you came out. All right, brother, I appreciate it, man. I'll, I'll be talking with you soon. Okay, man. Thanks again for including me. I really enjoyed it. Good night. Well, that was a great one, chatting with Don about 1984. Lots more episodes are on the way. Rock on!